good, we could get our article published in the BU newspaper. Finally, my ticket to something big, a byline, and a chance to meet and interview one of my two idols, Susan Lucci or Sam Donaldson. I didn't say Sam Donaldson just to impress my professor either. I really loved him. During the Reagan years, he was the only member of the White House press corps who actually asked the man a direct question and held him accountable. To this day, when I'm interviewing someone, I try to channel Sam. Of course, today, my hardest-inning interviews are usually with the Real Housewives. My admiration for Donaldson aside, when you give yourself two celebrity options on an assignment like this, you can bet that the one without the weird hair system is going to win every time. I wrote Lucci's publicist an impassioned declaration of love, which secured me an interview, which was then postponed multiple times until this day. Fearful that I was one more postponement away from cancellation, I woke up at 7 a.m. and began calling that publicist's office to nail down the details and get my instructions for the day. All I knew was that I was supposed to meet Susan Lucci. The rest was a mystery, and I wanted it solved. I dialed and dialed, and the phone rang and rang. By 9 a.m., I was convinced this interview, like the others, wasn't going to happen. But I was already in New York City. I couldn't go home empty-handed. Ruefully, I decided that Sam Donaldson's publicist never would have blown me off, if Sam Donaldson indeed even had a publicist. Probably not. Sam Donaldson was too down-to-earth, and there's no way a publicist would have just let that hair thing go. Three hours after I'd begun, I deliberately punched in the now-memorized sequence of numbers in a last-ditch effort. One ring, two rings, three, four, five, six, seven, and then someone, an assistant, I guess, finally picked up. I was told to report to the ABC studios on the Upper West Side at 12.30. And that's how I learned that people in New York City don't start working until 10 a.m. How cushy. I get momentarily dizzy when I see the marquee that says, In Pine Valley, anything can happen. Of course, I've arrived outside the studio an hour early, wearing bar mitzvah attire, button-down, paisley tie, sport jacket, and a trench coat that very well could have been from the mini Dan Rather collection. My hair is more awkward than normal as I'm in the midst of growing it out to deadhead perfection. I tamed the Jufro when I woke up, but its stability is threatened by the humidity of an unseasonably warm December day. But I haven't shown up with 60 minutes to spare just to stand around and gawk like a tourist. I have something else on my agenda. In addition to the Lucci interview, I'm working on a creative writing paper examining whether Pine Valley is an accurate representation of society. Just the sort of deep topic my parents expected me to be exploring when they signed my enormous BU tuition check. I've brought my tape recorder to nab on-the-street interviews with actors from the show. Occasionally, a Pine Valley resident walks out of the stage door and I first internally freak out. Oh my God, it's Cliff! Then attack them with my recorder. I see myself as a Sam Donaldson type. They probably see me as a John Hinckley Jr. type. Is Pine Valley an accurate reflection of society? I yell at every familiar face in a high-pitched manic panic.
They are all initially terrified and must take a moment to process what is happening. Overly hyper kid with tape recorder and fro yelling stupid question. Once they realize I'm probably not going to shoot any of them to impress Jodie Foster, I get quick interviews with Donna, Cliff, Ross, Travis, who has dried shaving cream on his ear, and even the man who plays Palmer's butler, Jasper. Their answers are gripping. Not really. No. Maybe. At 12.30, euphoric after my journalistic ramp-up to the main event, I walk into the building and announce that I'm there as a guest of Miss Lucci. Susan Lucci, I say triumphantly, I am Andrew Cohen, and I am here to see Susan Lucci. The guard nonchalantly mumbles into a microphone, and his voice crackles over a loudspeaker. Susan Lucci.